0: Guys, welcome back to the session here on Daring Stewardship. This is the last one. We put out a sign-up sheet for folks who might be interested in, in doing this again, uh, or, or rather new people. You guys are welcome to do it again if you want to. Uh, but I forgot to announce it this morning, so I'm going to do that next week. But that's all right. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started. tonight. or uh, Today's um, session is over retirement and leaving a legacy. And the first thing I want to say is just sort of a broad announcement is We're not retirement professionals. Uh, We're we're probably, you know, we're giving you some advice based on things that we've read and studied and heard about. But at the end of the day, as with us, I would encourage you to go to a retirement professional when you're you're planning out your retirement that sort of thing. But really the basis of what we're going to do today is to give you a little bit of the biblical framework for retirement and leaving a legacy and to set you up with some basic ideas of how to get that process started if you've not already considered that. So... Well, that said, a few things on the agenda today. We are going to do a quick review of session number three. We're going to establish the biblical basis uh, for retirement and leaving a legacy. I'm also going to share with you a tool. It's an online tool. It's called Retire Inspired. And um, I'll give you more information on it in just a minute, but it gives you an idea of how to start pouring into your retirement and exactly what you should put in each month in order to get to where you need to be. We're also going to talk about leaving a legacy. And then finally, we're going to talk about how all of this ties together because we've had four sessions The sessions have been over budgeting, uh, tithing, and also this session here, which is retirement. So I want to talk about the focus of how it all weaves together here at the end. The objectives for today's class is by the end of today's class, you will understand the biblical basis for leaving a financial legacy, understand how to calculate the amount of money you need to save for retirement per month, understand the importance of providing for the next generation, and understand how everything in the daring stewardship course ties together. So if you guys will go to page two, quick review of session three. In the last class session, we talked about some of the statistics on American giving and some of the ones that I provided and that we discussed was that 33 to 50% of Christians give nothing to the church. We talked about a little bit last week about the impact that we could have if everyone went all in, both in the American church and also in the local church. We said that 33% of Christians say that debt alone stops them from tithing. To me, that's, that's very convicting. We also said that 80% of people who tithe have zero credit card debt. So one of the things that we take from this is that those who are responsible in tithing are also responsible in other areas of their finances. If all Christians in America tithe correctly, the church would raise $165 billion per year. That's enough to eliminate world hunger, eliminate contaminated water, change the world in regard to illiteracy, and to fund all overseas Mission trips. In our own local church, we could purchase school clothes for all the children uh, within the entire school district if we were able to meet our goals of raising a million dollars in three years. We could fund college for CCHS graduates. We could plant and fund 185 church plants for three years across the world. And we could give money to local schools. So there's a lot of different things that we could do with this. and, And the Lord's put it in our hands. He's entrusted us to do it, to use it, right? To put it to good use. So I'm going to turn it over to Alex to talk a little bit about the biblical basis for what we're discussing today, and then we'll go from there.
1: So the biblical basis that we have for today is going back to session one. We gave you a Bible verse that said a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And that came from Proverbs 13, 22. We also have one from 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Um, We wanted to share a little bit about our story with you today in talking about a biblical basis for retirement. Shannon and I came from uh, very low-income families that we've discussed before. And what that did in our lives is it didn't leave any room for um, building wealth up to this point. Our parents weren't able to help us with our wedding. They didn't pay for it. Um, They did what they could as, as far as what their finances allowed my mom has really good credit because she's used and borrowed money her whole adult life so we ended up with a credit card as a wedding gift um just a line of credit that we used to purchase what we needed so the wedding dress the cake things that we had to have for the wedding um well not had to have but wanted to have for the wedding the clothes that we wore things like that the men's tuxes um the shoes, everything that you think that goes into a wedding, that just the small things that you have to pay for. Our families weren't able to provide that for us. So we started our marriage in debt. We didn't really think of it that way, but starting out in a two-room shack, (laughs) we lived above a garage, and we paid $300 a month for, um, it was a bedroom, uh, bedroom, the kitchen, and the living room were all pretty much together and then you had a bathroom and it was above a a little garage there that we lived in and we started that small life in debt and bondage and from there it grew well not only that we both were in college, we went to school, and they weren't able to help with school loans. So we added more bondage. And we didn't want to live below our means because our means were very meek and modest, and we didn't have the money that we thought that we should as, you know, young 20-year-olds that just get married. Um, (laughs) And so we, you know, we spent more money on the credit cards because we had this line of credit. Then we wanted to buy a house a year after we got married. So at that point everyone at the bank said, you need your own credit. So we went and signed up for our own credit cards, and we spent that money. And so this just accumulated over years and years um, to the point where we got so strapped down that we were making good money, but we had no money because all the money that we had was paying for the life that we lived five years ago, six years ago, three years ago, one year ago, yesterday, um, all of that money. So we came to the point where we said, you know, this isn't the the destination or the the promise, the gifts that we want to leave to the children that we're going to have. And at that time, we didn't have Harper. We just had me and Shannon. And we thought, well, if it comes to the end of the month and we have to eat ramen noodles, that's what we're going to do um, because it's just me and you. So that's when we found Dave Ramsey. A couple of people at our school had mentioned it, that they had gotten out of debt with their husbands and had paid off their house. And up until that point, Shannon and I had never thought that was even a possibility. Like, no one gets out of debt. Everyone has a car payment. Everyone has a house payment. But a friend of ours had mentioned it at lunch one day, just casually, while we were eating our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we, uh, we went home, we talked about it a little bit, but... Probably a year later, we were traveling back and forth to West Virginia for um, some stuff that Shannon had to do for work, and when that was going on, we found him on the radio. So we'd already had that seed planted at lunch that day, and then a year later, we find him on the radio, and we start hearing about how people are doing debt-free screams and how they're getting out of bondage, and that really opened us up to thinking, oh, well, this is a possibility. And at that point, you know, we were very family-minded. We wanted to have our own family. So... In this process of rebuking the devil and getting these chains broken off of us, what we have learned up to this point is that Harper's future doesn't have to look the way that ours looked 10 years ago when we started out. You know, she doesn't, we don't want her to have to worry about wedding cost, or school cost, or where her clothes are going to come from or who's going to, you know, make her dinner. These things are things we don't want her to have to worry about. We want to be so financially secure that money isn't something that she ever worries about. She knows that there's money for her to go to school. She can be anything she wants to be. She knows that if she wants to just be a missionary, mom and dad are going to help her and they're going to help fund those mission trips. My brother left for Africa when he was 16 years old in high school. He, didn't, he left with maybe $100 in his pocket. Anytime he ever went on a mission trip, he got money from Shannon and I, and that's the money that he took with him overseas to Greece and to um, Poland and to Africa because if someone didn't give him the money, our families couldn't provide that support. But Harper's going to grow up in a family where we have been financially responsible enough with our money that we hope that money isn't something she worries about, that she worries about the will of God and what she's going to do with her life outside of, do I have enough money to pay my electric bill this month? So our biblical basis and where we're starting today is we want to leave a legacy for the next generation. We want her not to have to worry that money is not a concern of hers, that If you don't have it, you have to worry about it and you have to think about it. But if you do have it and it's there and you're a good steward of it, then it's not something that you ever even have to, um, like, have come up as a problem in your life. So Shannon is going to talk about just just basically retirement and a little bit of steps for that. But then we're going to move on and we're going to talk about moving outside of retirement, just leaving that legacy. So how you do that and what that looks like.
0: So Alex and I talk a lot about family traditions and, and things that we've grown up in and things that we've been wanting to change for the next generation. And one of those areas that we identified was this area of retirement because that was something that never came up in our households growing up. It was never a consideration. A lot of times uh, the folks we grew up with just determined they would work until they couldn't work anymore anymore and they really didn't have a plan for going forward. They didn't have a plan to leave an inheritance. They didn't have a plan to um, ensure that the next generation was financially stable. So what I'm going to share with you are some very practical tips for wrapping your mind around that because if you're like us, this isn't something that you had thought about a whole lot previously. It's something that's kind of fresh to our minds, something that we've only been – working toward and learning about for the last couple of years or so. Uh, But if we could go back in time and and tell ourselves, uh, you know, at 22 years old, whenever we got out of college, that we should be working on this right now, I'm telling you that it would have dramatically impacted the rest of our lives up to that point. And we're figuring it out now, but I do want to start to plant that seed and to start to let you all know what's possible, and not only that, but how to achieve it. So if you take a look, I think it's on page three here, the first thing you're going to see is um, something that says Retire Inspired Quotient, R-I-Q, Now, basically what this is is a website, and you can access it by going to chrishogan360.com. There's other ones out there, but this is one that's really simple. It's really user-friendly. I don't know if you can access it on a smartphone, but I know that I used my laptop just last night to crunch some numbers and to get some information for you all about how all this works out. But I've listed the steps here, and essentially once you go on the website, you're going to find a link that says uh, My RIQ. You're going to be presented with a list of options of what you want to do when you're retired, a lot of times, we have to change our mindset. We have to step outside of, like what Alex said, our family tradition a poverty mindset that we're just going to work until we die, right? But that, that doesn't have to be the case. There's different things that people might be interested in and doing in retirement. One of those might be re- relaxation. One of those might be family, hobbies, recreation, travel, missions work, etc. But when you first go online, it's going to ask you to choose what you want to do in retirement. So you're going to click on that. Then it's going to ask you to enter the gross family income that both you and your spouse make. Because remember, it's all together, right? Your your retirement dreams, your life dreams, everything is one dream. It has to be that way. So you enter that total family income. Then you're going to enter how much money you need to fund your dream. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Alex is going to give you some ideas for how to set goals in just a moment. But one of the first things that you need to do as a family, as a married couple, is you need to sit down and have what we call a dream meeting. All right, this is where you sit down and you talk about where you want to be in the next 5 to 10 to 20, 30 years, where you want to be in retirement, where you want your children to be, where you want your church to be. And you need to start planning ahead even now. You need to start sowing those goals into your lives all right? because there, there's a great harvest coming, and we want to ensure that we're going to be able to reap that. We want to make sure that we sow in season so when the time arrives for us to be retired that we're ready to reap that harvest that we've sold plentifully into. So have a dream meeting. Set your goals. And the thing you need to determine in there is how much will it take for you to live your dream and also give generously to others. This needs to be a dollar amount. I know I'm asking a lot. You know, this, this is a lot for, for one meeting. But it's serious, and it's something that you have to think about far into advance. The way retirement works is it's an exponentially increasing system. You sow in early, you reap the reward later. It's very biblical, but at the same time you have to be very intentional up front. You really need to set a dollar amount, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. I'm going to give you an idea of sort of what retirement costs and what you should shoot for given how much time you have left before you retire. It's going to ask you to enter the number of years until you would like to retire, and the point I would like to make here is that retirement is a number, it's not an age. Some people think I can't retire until I'm X number of years old. That's not entirely true. You can retire at any point that your retirement fund is set up with enough money for you to live your dreams. And that's what we're going to teach you how to do. We're going to teach you how to project that. So as part of your dream meeting, you need to figure out what age you want to be when you retire. And it's very possible. Also, the tool is going to uh, ask you to enter how much you've already invested for retirement. If you're like us, that number's not going to be anything. <laughs> we, we actually did all of our projections on zero dollars. Now, if you've already settled in and you have a retirement fund, that's awesome. You're probably years ahead of the game at this point. But when we were considering our own retirement, we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything put away. We weren't thinking in that mindset. So it's a complete mental shift. Once you put all of this into the tool, it's going to give you an amount of money that you should invest in retirement monthly to reach your goal. Now keep in mind, depending on how quickly you want to retire, that number's going to go up. Okay? If you put 30 years, it's not going to be as much as if you put 10 years or 20 years, etc. and so on. So if you look at the next slide down, you're going to see a few examples that I worked out last night to give you an idea of how this process, uh, process works. So just as we looked at a couple of classes ago, I've set up three different examples based on different income levels. And just as a baseline, we have $30,000, $60,000, and $100,000. And again, these are family income levels. All right. So if you're looking at the individual columns here, the second column says how much to fund your dream. If you want to just keep making what you're making while you're working and not make any extra and not make any less. I've worked out the math here to show you exactly how much you need to invest each month to ensure that when you retire for the rest of your life you're going to be able to have exactly that much money. Now the cool thing about retirement is you don't have to work it out to where you just make what you make when you're working. If you invest enough upfront you can make double what you're making when you retire. You can make triple or on the other side of that if you want to live more frugally you can make half and not so as much in up front. It's really a, process of time and compound interest, okay? The, the biggest thing about retirement is that in order to make it successful, the, the two biggest friends you have is time, you know, sowing money over time and compound interest because compound interest means that the interest that accumulates on the seed that you sow also over time builds its own interest, all right? And before too long, that train really gets chugging. All right, it, it, it takes a little while up front, but once it starts hitting its peak, I mean, the difference between five years of sewing and and you know taking the retirement out right away can be half a million dollars. So I mean, it really starts increasing over time. So just taking a look at the thirty thousand dollar income, the first, the second column says how much to fund the dream, how much to make sure that you can make that much after you retire. If you're going to sew in for thirty years, it's going to take right around three hundred and thirty nine dollars monthly investment from now until 30 years from now. At the end of that, you'll end up with somewhere right around $1,184,700. And basically, the rule of thumb is that once you become debt free, uh, once you are able to pay off all your credit cards, all your student loans, pretty much everything that you've listed as part of your debt snowball, once that process occurs, And perhaps you want to start saving toward a house. But once all of that is over, you're going to start investing 15% of your monthly income into retirement. And I know that sounds like a lot because sometimes we struggle to sow 10% for the tithe, which is a completely different expense. But again, the whole intention and purpose of this class is to teach you how to live within your means so that right now you're living like no one else so that later you can truly live like no one else. Right, you can give more, you can sow more. So, if we're looking at the numbers here, you'll see that they keep pretty steady. Uh, if you're going to want to retire in a quicker amount of time, obviously you're going to have to sow in more into the monthly expense. The one thing that I'll note here is that, again retirement is a game of time and compound interest. So here's the cool thing about it. If you'll notice here, if you were to do the math on this and to see what $339 is sown monthly over the course of 30 years, that's going to add up or multiply up to about $122,040. That's what you're sowing in. But what's the return on investment there? It's over a million. So basically, you're sowing in about 10% of your total retirement over 30 years, and based on compound interest and the way the market works, you actually get a 90% return on that, all right? So you're sowing in about 100,000, you're getting over a million by the time retirement actually rolls around, and this is how the market works. And you can look at the other numbers there for 60,000, 100,000, but more than that, I would encourage you to use this tool for yourself. The sooner that you discover how to start sowing into your retirement, and better yet, the sooner that you actually start living that behavior, the better off you're going to be, the sooner you're going to be able to retire, and the sooner you're going to be able to truly start giving you know, hand over fist to God's work. Because again, it's, you know, it's a 10 times return on investment. It, it's sort of a no-brainer. And uh, I wrote down a note as I was studying this morning. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This is a get-rich-slow scheme, (laughs) all right? (laughs) This is something that takes time, and it takes intentionality, all right? But the the cool thing about a get-rich-slow scheme is it never fails. There is no risk. When you sow, you will reap, and that's how retirement works. At this time, I want to turn it over to Alex to talk a little bit about why we leave a legacy, and she's also going to give you some ideas about how to start setting up these goals in your dream meeting and we might do a little bit of that today.
1: I also want to mention um, like Shannon was saying your house isn't part of your debt snowball. If you follow Dave Ramsey it's actually um, one of the later steps. It's step five um, and you do four, five, and six all together. So step four is you start putting 15% into retirement just like he was saying. That's 15% of your income and that That house payment is step five, so you do that alongside the 15%. And then step six is saving up for your kid's college. So um, you do that. I also want to mention that if you do not work for a company, say you work for yourself or you're a pastor and you want to get on this track of um, starting the 15%, putting that into retirement, then you would want to look at something called a Roth IRA. So that's something you would want to look at. Um, If you Yeah, if you want to work with your place of employment, then you will probably be putting into a 401k or 403b. So those will be the things at your employment. If your company offers a match, so say your company, after the first year you work there, offers a 5% match to what you put in, you still put 15% in. So that doesn't mean you put in 10 at that point and they put in 5. You still put in 15 and then you get free money but you just think of their 5%, their 5% or ever how much they match with as free money. Okay, So I just wanted to clarify just a little bit more on retirement because Shan um, gave you that calculator. So when you go look at it, there may be some questions. And if you have any questions at any point, you can always contact me or him. Um, and like he said, though, we are not gurus <laughs> on retirement. We want to help you with the knowledge that we've gained, but please look into everything for yourself. Um, the leaving a legacy, it is important to leave a financial blessing for the next generation because, and here's some reasons, if you don't think of retirement as, oh, I'm, ne- I'm never going to stop working, I'm just going to keep doing things until forever, until I die, well, that's fine. You can do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, that can be your goal. But don't think of retirement just as You quit working and lay in a hammock. Think of retirement as the inheritance you are leaving for your children. So why do you want to do that? Number one, because the Bible says that if you leave a financial blessing, then you are a good man. Right? We just looked at that in Proverbs. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So not just your children, but your grandchildren. It ends the cycle of poverty in your family. In this area, there's such an overcast of poverty and that mentality that you can't ever be anyone or you can't ever do anything. Well, that's not true. That's Satan, and he's spreading those lies. So you want to end that cycle of poverty because money, not that we're preaching a prosperity gospel, but money is the only way to fund the missions that God has, right? To bring people in, we need we need to supply them food and have programs and things set up to where they'll come and be go on outreaches and go on missions trips and you, you know plane rides aren't free so think about those types of things you don't want a poverty mindset in your family tree it creates a platform for your children to stand on so your ceiling needs to be their floor and it just keeps building and, you, and, the, and it goes higher and mission and ministry goes higher and higher so it's not just um, about you it's about those, the kids that you're leaving behind the next generation that's coming up it teaches your children how to be good stewards of money in their own lives. I'm sure you've heard this uh, before, but more is caught than taught. So your kids watch you tithe. They watch how you spend your money. They see where you are putting your finances and what the priorities are in your life. So more is caught than taught. Um, you want to leave, talking about kids here, you want to leave that legacy because you do not want your children to have to start out at a zero-dollar income or, worse yet, in debt, like Shane and I shared our story. Um, and then number five, it ensures our local church ministry will not end with just generation. Children with parents who are good stewards, who are taught to be good stewards of money, who are taught to tithe are going to tithe as adults, right? We're going to reap what we sow. So if we sow into our children um, this aspect of money that it is all God's and it all belongs to him and we're just holding on to it, sharing it with the world, then um, that's going to be a legacy that we leave in our kids is that mindset of stewardship. I want to share with you, I'm reading a book right now. It's called Seven. And in this book, it's one of those like... uh, David Platt, the radical book, if you're familiar with that, it's in the same type of style. So it's about reducing your lifestyle and not living the American dream that everyone says you have to have all these things. So in the book, she's a pastor's wife and they work a lot with the homeless. And she has taken the mentality that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Their family's really taken that. Um, and put it into a new perspective for me. So what they do is they only live on 50% of their income. And they give the other 50% away. Because they live in Texas in this really um, poor area that has a lot of homeless. So it's love your love your neighbors yourself. And if you're bringing home 100%, if I love someone as much as I love myself, then I'm sharing what I have. So you can't do that if you're in debt, if you're in bondage, because you have payments and you can't keep a roof over your head and eat on 50% of your income in most cases. If you could, you wouldn't be in debt. (laughs) So looking at that, you know, it's not just about us. When we're leaving a legacy, don't think retirement means, you know, you're sitting with your feet up. Retirement is what do you want the next generation to know about you and how you stewarded God's resources and his finances. Okay, so I want to just take a moment. I want you to look at the bottom part that says leaving a legacy. I want you to do this with your spouse, or if you're not married, then just your family. Whoever you have near you that's close to you, a mom, a dad, um, a child, whoever you have that you want to sit and you want to make some goals with, this is your person to keep you accountable, okay? Um, And this is your person to dream big with. So what do you want to accomplish? And we just put financially, but you should have family goals of other things that you want to accomplish too. But we're just looking at finances. So what do you want to accomplish financially in the next year? For us, what we want to accomplish financially in the next year is in 18 months we want to be debt free. That's pushing it. We need a probably a ten dollars to $20,000 miracle from the Lord. Uh, but we're believing he can do it, right? Um, because 18 months puts me at my 30th birthday, so we'd like to go scream a little before my 30th birthday at the Dave Ramsey location. Um, In five years, we want to be able to own our own home, and we want to put at least 22% as a down payment in cash, if not the entire purchase amount of the home. We want to be saving 15% for retirement, because if you look at those numbers, if you start um, at 20 years... By the time you want to retire, that money doesn't grow as fast as if you're looking at it for 30 years. So the money grows slowly. It's a get-rich-slow scheme. So having the amount of money that you want at retirement gets pushed back the longer you wait for retirement. So the longer amount of time it takes you to start putting that 15% in, that's an extra couple years that you're waiting at the end of the amount of time you want to work to retire. Um, And we want to have a fully funded emergency um, savings account so that if anything does happen in our family, you know, um, an illness, a sudden death, someone needs money for an unexpected unexpected, um, emergency in their family, we have enough money to say, here, don't worry about that. You take care of your family. What needs to happen right now? And we'll pay for this amount. Um, And then in 10 years... We want to be able to be giving generously above and beyond in all areas, and that doesn't just mean in our ties, but in our families and sowing into um, the community in more ways than we can right now at this point. We want to be giving a large portion of our money to overseas missions because I feel like, you know, in the American culture, sometimes we... um, Look at our neighbor as the person living next door. But we have brothers and sisters in Christ in South Sudan and Africa and, you know, Guatemala, all these places where they're struggling. So we want to be able to be giving not just in America but also overseas and worldwide. So look at those goals. We put boxes there for you and your spouse or you and your family that want to go home and you want to look at that. Make yourself just aware of what you want to accomplish because, Um, what gets done is what has been monitored. So if you're not making goals and writing down steps to get to that goal, then it won't get done. So your debt snowball, that's your first step in getting debt free if that's something that's on your goal, just like us. On page 5, we're going to put it all together for you now. So what does it mean to have sat through a four-week stewardship class, everything tying together here at the end? The first thing we talked to you about was to create a debt snowball. And in that process, we said you list your debts from smallest to largest, and you attack the little one. You put everything extra that you get in your hand on that small debt. And once it's paid off, then you move to the next one. And you do that all the way through the cycle. Shannon made a good analogy at our house the other day. We were standing in our refrigerator looking at our debt snowball chart on the fridge, and he said... We've came around. <laughs> we've came around the side, went down the hill, and hit the bottom. Now everything's uphill, <laughs> and it's an uphill battle at the end because you're not getting that same momentum that you are from the small debts. If you're like us and you have small, had small debts, um, those are quickly more quickly to pay off than say a forty thousand dollars student loan. That's up the big side of the mountain, so um, when you're looking at your debt snowball, you're putting those in order, and then you're paying them off in order because that gives you the most momentum. Your written budget holds you accountable to being a good steward with your money. We also gave the advice that you should take out cash in the categories where you overspend. And so those categories would probably be groceries, eating out, your personal money, your clothes, um, date money, anything like that that you're going to be spending outside of the house, Dave says. Most people do automatic pay on their bills um, through the computer, and so you don't really worry about that. But things you're going to go outside to do, sometimes we spend more money than we thought or would like to. Then we have financial infidelity. Don't hide money or make secret purchases. You want to avoid financial infidelity. You want to be transparent in your finances. Have that combined checking account because your money is God's money, and in your house, that's one income. Shannon's going to talk to you about tithing and retirement, and then we're going to wrap up.
0: So tithing, what is my part, and why does it even matter? God makes it very clear that our our part is at minimum 10% of our income. And God's work requires our stewardship. So hopefully as we've been going through this series and as we've been talking about tithing and especially how the American church has failed to a large degree in the area of tithing, hopefully that's convicted your hearts. That's moved you to some degree to think about what we can really do and what we could accomplish if we were firing on all cylinders and we were really trying to accomplish the work of the Lord. In the areas of retirement, one question that often comes up is, why can't I just depend on Social Security? There's a few reasons for that. First of all, you have to understand how Social Security actually works. There's a large myth around Social Security that when you pay into it, there is a reserve account with your name on it. Uh, You're not actually paying into any type of Social Security account that has your name attached to it. What it is is a large general fund. You're actually funding the people who are currently retired. And in theory, that sounds like a good system. The young pay for the old. And if everyone were working it the way it was intended, absolutely, that would be a great system. But there's been a lot of research and a lot of study around this over the last few years. And a lot of economists and a lot of folks who work on Social Security and other things foresee a collapse coming. And that collapse is for a couple of reasons. First of all, more people are retiring than have ever retired. A lot of the older generations are moving into a place where they're no longer working. Thus, they're no longer paying into Social Security themselves. They're being supported by the young. Well, that also poses a problem because the young are working far less than they have ever worked. Therefore, the system is quickly dwindling and running out of money. And as I said, there is no account, no matter how many years you pay into Social Security, that has your name on it. Now suppose there were. Suppose that by the time you do retire, you earn the full benefits of Social Security that you've paid into. In 2016, that averaged about $1,400 a month. Now when we're talking about giving generously and when we're talking about uh, living our dreams and doing the the work that God has for us, a lot of times $1,400 a month is going to be a tight squeeze if you want to give generously and, and do some of these things that we've talked about. So you can't, depend on Social Security. Social Security is not a safety net. It's just icing on the cake. If it happens in addition to the retirement that you've already sown, that's awesome. But don't depend on it because it's an unsustainable system. Another question often to hear is should I borrow against my retirement fund? A lot of times folks will pay into their retirement fund for a number of years, maybe 10 years or so, and they'll see that number exponentially ramping up, and they'll see that compound interest, and they'll think, man, I've got half a million dollars just sitting there, and that counts toward your net worth. All right, so the money that you have in retirement, the money that you've invested into your house uh, and everything you own is part of your overall net worth. So it's feasible that you could, using the system, become a millionaire in a number of years before you retire. But should I borrow against my retirement fund? No. (laughs) All right, just make that very clear. You should never, ever, ever take money out of your retirement fund for any reason. Number one, there are huge penalties, sometimes up to 50% of the money that you've sown in will be cut right off of the top if you take the money out of retirement. Number two, you're borrowing against the future. You're borrowing against the dreams that you've written down. You're borrowing against the next generation and the dreams of your family and the dreams of this church, et cetera, and so on. So the answer to that question is no, don't depend on Social Security, and also no, don't depend on taking out your retirement fund to fund other things other than retirement. And remember, retirement is not an age. If you want to retire in 20 years, there are steps to do that. If you want to retire in less, there are steps to do that. If you want to play the long game, if you're fairly young and you know, you've know you got 40 or 50 years before you want to retire, that's possible as well. All right, You just have to look at the numbers, and we've given you the tools to do that. So we're going to start wrapping things up. I know this was a shorter session, but we wanted to leave you with next steps and a plan for where you should go from here so that you don't leave this class knowing more but not behaving better, all right? And that's something that we get into trouble for sometimes in our own lives. We have so much knowledge on so many different levels and so many different things, but we don't act out the knowledge that we have. We don't behave in ways that lead us toward our goals. Sure, we know how to get there, but do we follow the path? Here's your next steps, and you may be in all kinds of different parts here, but if you're not already doing so, your first step is to start tithing, because I can promise you that no good thing is gonna come out of your finances until you start giving God at least 10% of your income. The second thing is to save $1,000 as quickly as possible. In the first class, we shared that $1,000 will pretty much cover any sort of emergency that comes up. And the reason you need to have an emergency fund is because of the next step. Stop using credit cards and cut them up. The first time your tire blows out or the first time something happens around the house and you go into the wallet for a credit card that's not there, you're going to be in trouble unless you have an emergency fund and something set aside. So save $1,000, stop using your credit cards, cut them up. Set up a written or electronic monthly budget. We have to teach our money how to behave in ways that help us reach our goals. And in order to do that, we have to be very intentional about giving every dollar a name, a purpose, and an assignment. So things aren't just leaking. Alex and I have sprung leaks over the years. All right, we've noticed that money is just uh, you know, leaking out of the boat sometimes and we have no idea where it goes. When you're very intentional about your budget, you know when the money's not there. You need to pay off debt. You need to start listing your debt snowball. You need to list your debts from smallest to largest. Start attacking the smallest debt. Once you pay that one off, take the minimum that you were paying toward that debt roll it into your overall debt-paying-off power, <laughs> and pay off the next debt and the next debt and the next debt and so on and so on uh, until you are debt-free, until you're entirely out of bondage and until you can cross every single master off your list and save for retirement, 15%. Now, the advice financially is that you don't start saving for retirement until you're debt-free. Now, that doesn't include the house, right? Okay. Let's double check. So it does not include the house, but you do save until you are, de- I mean, you, you make sure you're debt free and before you start putting the 15% in. All right. Now, the 15% is an exponential number. That's a very high number when you look at it and you think about the total amount of money you have. And But I would say, at least in our lives, our debt was taken up probably 20, 25, 30% of our income each month anyway. So once we pay that down, we're still getting a raise. <laughs> We're giving ourselves a raise by paying off the debt and by being more frugal in that way. So that's it. The one thing I would leave you with is the homework assignment. If you want to know more about retirement, you can watch uh, the video I've got here. You can follow the link. It's Chris Hogan's Retire Inspired. He also has a book by the same name if you're interested in reading through that. You can either snap a picture of the QR code or type in the link. But before we dismiss here, I just want to pray a word of blessing, and I would just encourage you to... Act on your knowledge. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving our church a vision. We thank you for giving each individual family here a vision. We thank you for everyone who have come out to support the Daring Stewardship class and who have faithfully started putting the principles into practice. I pray, Father, that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of using this knowledge, of being good stewards, of taking every dollar that you put in our hand and intentionally assigning it to the work of your kingdom. So Father, I pray a blessing over everyone in this room that you would provide them with the means in order to be financially frugal and the means to financially give. And we thank you for doing that. We're trusting you to do that. And we pray just for great revelation on how we can do that in the lives of our families. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That's it, guys. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's It's been awesome. And if y'all have any questions, we're...